0: everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. Tom Adams here for the flagship episode. And once again, I have the pleasure of being joined by the infamous I Need No Name. So uh, In, how are you
1: doing on this fine Sunday? Yeah, I'm doing fine. We just had a slight delay starting this podcast, which was a little bit annoying, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Tom knows what I'm talking about.
0: Yes. So in addition to the massive time difference between Uh, our geographic locations in my computer decided it would be a great time to just install a bunch of updates. As I was mentioning to you off air, it does this like once every other month and it seems to happen at crucial moments for either Bavarian football works when I'm live tweeting uh, or as we've uh, just seen today for Bavarian podcast works and we're about to record uh, a flagship episode. So very annoying that all of that coming on the back end of watching Ronaldo score for Manchester United again, the fanboys really coming out in force on social media and David De Gea saving a penalty right at the end. But we're not here to talk about that. We don't really care about Manchester United. I know, in just like myself,
1: you will take every opportunity to banter Manchester United. Am I right in that assumption? Oh, I will take any opportunity to banter any English Premier League club, and that includes Liverpool, don't forget. Yes.
0: <laughs> As I definitely know. But unfortunately, we they came away with a very solid 3-0 win, so you can't have anything to say there.
1: Oh, I'm Unless I'm prepared, okay? Don't worry. You <laughs> better not slip up, Tom. I
0: I better not. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the task and this is this is a Byron podcast, so we're gonna stick to Bayern. And, and with that in, I mean, basically kicking off a non-existent Oktoberfest in fashion with an absolute 7 0 thrashing of AFL Balcom. And you know what? We had a, a certain player on the left wing who performed very well yet again. And so I thought With today's episode, we would kind of just address the elephant in the room, which is Leroy Sané. I know we've already talked in detail about Julian Nagelsmann's decision to switch Leroy Sané to Mm -hmm. the left wing from the right. And he's just been so much better. You know, looking back, I think it was that Bremer S. Val match in the first round, where he actually made that switch. Uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, it was that one. Yeah. So he scored, just taking a look, three goals and something like six assists since that switch has been made. Yeah, I mean, he's he
1: basically had a up. goal or assist every single game since that switch.
0: So, and I just want to shoot this question to you. I mean, yes, we have had some favorable opponents, more so in the Bundesliga since that switch has been made, but is this more so just a little bit of you know temporary fire uh, matched with the fact that we did have a a more favorable schedule at least in the Bundesliga or is this has Nagelsmann found like the permanent fix for Leroy Sané?
1: Well, I would say that Sané looks really good right now. You people will say that we haven't faced the really big teams yet, but we faced RB Leipzig and Barcelona and they are still nominally considered big teams even if they haven't had the great seasons that they expected to. Especially but Sané, yeah, especially Leipzig Then again, Barcelona are probably doing just as poorly. Um, In any case, yeah. So, in any case, I would say that Sane, the big difference from what he was doing before is that he's doing all the fundamental things right. That is something that even against the smaller teams last year, he was getting a lot of things wrong. Like he was making missed passes, wrong decisions, wrong everything, really. He couldn't really keep up with the tempo of the game. And it's not like he was slow or he wasn't working hard or he was lazy or something. It was just that he was out of sync with every everything that was going on. And one of the good things about what he's doing under Nagelsmann, and I think what Nagelsmann has done with every single white player this year, barring um, the right back position, is that he has made them all Come together and actually work as a cohesive unit that Hansi never managed to do. Hansi was kind of relying on their individual quality and individual decision making, and now seems to have simplified the you know playbook for them a little bit.
0: Yeah, 100. And just something I would add to that in is just looking at the schedule moving forward for Bayern Munich. You know, all the writing on the wall is really there for Leroy Sané to continue this this excellent run of form, barring any injuries, which we know uh, pop up like every second at Bayern Munich. So, just kind of going in order for the next couple of weeks. Greuther Firth, obviously, this coming Friday. Dinamo Kiev next midweek. Uh, after that, in the Champions League, Eintracht Frankfurt, who are struggling this season. Bayer Leverkusen probably will be, of those matches, the most difficult test. Benfica after that in the Champions League. Hoffenheim uh, and then Gladbach, which we unfortunately oh, man. had to draw in the. That is the that is the call. that is
1: a tough one that's coming up. That is the one that Nogglesman needs to be really preparing for. But at the moment, yeah. I think it's kind of like a chill, um, you know, a little bit of a chill break in the matches because we have a week until we uh, face our next game. And I don't want to pronounce the team's name because I really am bad at that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm serious.
0: It is tough. I, I probably just butchered it. Yeah, the only it's, reason it's in my mind is because I'm I was hearing uh, Derek Ray commentate and say, you know, this is who Bayern has next. They have. Yeah, we don't time. we
1: I don't just... get Derek Ray on the world feed anymore. Like oh, I don't think so he, he he doesn't do. We get Phil Bonnie though, and he's great. But Derek yeah, Ray, yeah, equally as uh, good. Yeah. So the thing is that uh, Sane, and I would say this for all our wing players that they're really doing so well. Like Gennabry too, he has been on fire both for. Nagelsmann and for Hansi Flick, and that's one of the good yeah. things. For, I think this actually makes. I think this is. It's interesting to think about, but this means that Koman and his salary demands have suddenly been blown out of the water. Like I think Zahami is no longer a leg to stand on with Sane, Ganabri, and Musiala just playing so well. Koman does not have the leverage he had last year.
0: And now, in you bring up a good point because you mentioned our other wingers. Obviously, we have Koman in the rank, Serge Ganabri who's on a fine run of form. You know, Thomas Muller, I know we all like him. Just No, don't, don't say it.
1: Don't say it. He can. Don't say I, it. You're a big
0: fan of his. He can do it if he needs to. Yeah, he can if he do it, to, but
1: don't say that, man. Come well, on.
0: Case in point, the, w- the question I'm trying to pose to you. So obviously, I think it was FC Kuhn where Leroy Sané had started on the right, Ganabri on the left. They switched and then they both started playing better. Well, I think actually that was the match where uh, Sané got pulled from Musiala. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was, that was the Musiala in that one, equation. Yeah. So, in is this, and I, I I don't believe I've asked this before. The question, the thought's always in my mind: Is this more of Leroy Sané being perfect and being very effective on the left, or are we overlooking slightly the ability? I would argue Gnabry, Musiala, Müller, those three guys. Any one of those three positions behind Lewandowski those guys can adapt and play it doesn't really matter uh where they are we've even seen ganabri as a false nine or a secondary striker for demanchef so do you think that's a little bit overlooked the adaptability of the other wingers that we have yeah Oman, i think i would it is, say it's the odd right yeah. now we don't really
1: have we haven't seen much of him yeah we seen haven't seen anything years. from him this year so but i think that it's interesting because nagltsman uh, he's really focusing on making our wing players do more more flexibility more Involvement in the attack, and I think that's a good idea. That's something that we haven't seen much since you Pink is maybe, and you can tell that he's at least studied what went wrong in the PSG match last year when Lewandowski was out injured, and Muller did his job just fine. Chupo did his job, but the wingers left us, let us down. Like we just couldn't do it on the flanks, and I think Nagelsmann has identified that as one of our weaknesses, and he's gonna do everything he can to fix that. And that means that increasing the interplay, increasing the roles that they can play, because Robin and Ribery, they were just geniuses. They could do it all and they could do it so easily that they didn't want to do. These guys, they're not as good, not as talented, but they can be as good if they're coached right. And Robin and Ribery had amazing coaches to bring out what was good in them. And Nagelsman is trying to do that for our players now. The wingers, I think... I think at this point, we can almost consider Alfonso Davies a winger, too. And he's been so amazing compared to last year.
0: Yeah. And it, with him, you know, you you'll definitely get some people on one side of that argument saying, you know, if he is a left winger or an advanced winger or he starts from that position, you know, if need be because of injuries or rotations or suspensions or rest, whatever it might be. You know, we might just be better off just saying he's saying fancy you know what you're starting as a left back but you're a winger and he might even do better you know with those isn't that ones, technically what we are doing over. already i mean pretty much but you still have you know Sane in front of him and they can work that magic you know yeah that that's true. magic like we used to see with uh Ribri and david alaba when yeah david it's alaba actually fascinating
1: because Ribery, what he used to do was he was an inverted winger right so he would Go at the players. He would cut inside and go at dribblers. But Sane, he's more of a traditional winger on the left, so he's constantly trying to assist. Like the assist that he got to Kimmich, that's a traditional winger assist from uh, against Baham. That's a traditional winger's assist. So that's the kind of thing Sane is doing, and that's what Davies does too. So it's more like having two traditional wingers down the left, and that's something that I honestly considered, you know, having traditional wingers a little bit out of date but it seems to be really working out for Bayern this year. Like with Sani and Davies putting in crosses, and if you want to switch to having inverted, we can just put Murciallo there instead of Sane, and suddenly you have a completely different tactical setup. So it's giving us both flexibility and lethality, and that's an interesting way for Nagelsmann to expand our play style without changing much at all.
0: And I should add, you know, I need to correct myself. I forgot to add Marcel Sabitzer to that mix. You know, we do know that he can play an attacking role as well as a holding role. Uh, and we haven't really yet seen him in a wide attacking role. You know, yesterday's win over VFL Balcom. I mean, can you really count that as a sample size? Because I, honestly, I just felt bad for Balcom after it was uh, yeah, actually when, true. It was four, when it was 4 0 and their fans that were in the stands were o laying every pass. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought that was a, I was like, you know what? At least they're enjoying themselves, whether they traveled Hey, or hey, Hey,
1: could- at least they did better than Barcelona. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I mean, why not? In a way, day always go out and enjoy it, but yeah. you know, in you know, we talk. we just spent uh, a decent amount of time talking about our attack and, you know, our wingers and, you know, our basically uh, third left wing in Alfonso Davies even though he is left back, but you know, a lot of the stability in this side as Hansi Flick has said in the past for both Bayern and for Germany and as Nagelsmann has made a point of, a lot of this stability comes from that dual midfield pivot of uh, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, both of whom who have signed new contracts, the most recent of which in was uh, technically last week since it is now Sunday. uh, But it was announced that he signed a new deal that will keep him at the club until 2026. And, you know, this follows suit from Kimmich, who I believe signed a deal until 2025, just one year shorter, but hopefully in the future, we'll get another extension for him. But, you know, in how important to you and to this club, was this extension? I know a lot of us thought that both Kimmich and Goretzka would have been announced at the same time, but there was just a lot of fine-tuning details that had to be sorted with, uh, you know, the financial perspectives uh, in addition to the personal terms. To be, yeah, I
1: point. can I can safely say that Kimmich and Goretzka extending these two is not just important for Bayern Munich of now, but Bayern Munich of five, 10, 15 years from now, because. Not only Kimmich and Goretzka, the guys on the team right now, they you can tell that Kimmich is going to be future captain. But not only that, Kimmich and Goretzka are at the forefront of certain issues in Germany. They are always, yep. um, you know, they're always doing social initiatives, stuff like that. You can tell that they're going to be involved in those things going forward. It's good for Bayern's image to securing them. But the other thing is that they're leaders on the national sides as well, because Kimmich is. The leader of the future generations, he's their spokesperson, and he is part of the leadership group there. So, if anything goes on with the national team going forward. Bayern's relationships there remain strong just because Kimmich is there. We keep our stranglehold on the German national team. And because of that, we keep getting this pipeline to talent like, you know, Jamal Muziada, who probably would not have committed unless Kimmich and Goretzka constantly kept that charm offensive up on him. Same thing goes for Sane, in fact. Sane was charmed by his German national team teammates to coming into Bayern. And that's one of those things that I think is very underrated by the fan base, the effect that these teammates can have on the overall composition and on our transfer market dealings, because players, the dressing room connection is very important. And I mean, we've already talked about how important these guys are on the pitch. That's not going to change, but these soft connections, the soft connections that form between players, the power plays that happen, the seniority that becomes important, these things will matter more and more as the older guard, the guys like Thomas Muller, Hummels, Boateng, Kroos is already gone. So all these guys, they slowly get phased out. And once they do get phased out, it's guaranteeing Bayern's future on that very important German national team, which has historically been one of the best in the world at producing talent.
0: Yeah, and even Ilkay Gundogan, you, know, you were mentioning those players, he was one guy who was considering his future... Uh, with demand after the euros but hansi flick had very positive discussions with him and was able to keep him on board and you know make him decide to continue on and you know just as you were talking about all of those uh very very positive impacts for both Bayern and germany with these uh extensions Goretzka being the most recent i was also going to pose a question to you you know how much of a positive message does this send to the rest of Bayern's squad both older players and younger because let's face it too i mean they were coming into a very very difficult financial situation
1: i get what you mean that it's like it's a very good job by Brazo and co to get these deals over the line and it projects a display of power to everyone across europe and also within the team that bayern munich are going to be you know competitive for the foreseeable future and if you are a young player who is looking to decide where you're going to be playing your next 5 10 years of football bayern munich is one of the best you can choose at the moment, like say you're Muziala, okay? Muziala, he is already tied down, but say he was looking for a new contract. Why would you choose? You have so many offers probably from England or somewhere else. You could go anywhere you want with the talent that he has, but instead, why wouldn't he just stay at Bayern? Because we are competitive in the Bundesliga. We can win the Champions League every year. We have one of the best squads to learn from, and we have his, all his national team teammates. So he has a direct pipeline to the national team. So that's one of the things that I think it shows, and it also shows someone like Lewandowski, who wants to make a name for himself globally, that sticking with Bayern is probably his best bet. Instead of going to somewhere like Chelsea where he might have to compete with Lukaku or be discarded after one poor performance. Instead of doing that, you can just stay at Bayern where your place is secure, you have a brand already built for you, and you can be safe knowing that we're not going to get complacent and they're not going to be any rebuilding years. We have a core, a steady core that is being phased out and another core coming in that is just as good as the core that left. It was originally when I started playing, sorry, when I started watching Bayern Almost <laughs> almost almost maybe you a, did play for wait.
0: the youth teams in the, in a in a very distant past you know we don't know
1: <laughs> I have never played football that way and the most football I played <laughs> is with my friends in their backyards hey it counts. it counts it counts i suppose it counts uh so the thing is that um if, if we had Philip Lahm Bastian Schweinsteiger those guys were the core back then when i started watching and then it slowly shifted to the uh, Lewandowski Muller Boating Alaba core. And then that has now shifted to where Lewandowski and Muller are like the senior players. They're not the core anymore. And now it's Goretzka, Kimmich, Sane, Gnabry are core. And that's such a great transition. This is like a masterclass in how you transition from football team to football team from generation to generation.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Chelsea. So that brings up a good point in my head who are, you know, obviously they're owned by a certain Russian oligarch. You have your mm-hmm. Manchester Cities. Uh, your psgs of the world were pretty much owned you know for lack of a better term by either the emirati or Qatari governments and you know you see these massive transfer fees it doesn't really seem to matter what happens from a financial landscape whether it's a global pandemic uh, huge financial losses for whatever reason they seem to be able to be able to toss cash around in whatever manner they see fit to get whatever players they want to fix problems fill holes but you know that just doesn't seem to be the case at bayern you know we're very conservative from a fiscal standpoint uh we don't like to spend ridiculous amounts of money that we don't need to spend uh we like to keep at least a relative sense of even distribution for our top earners i know there are some variables to that you know Sané, Lewandowski earned quite a bit i think thomas muller uh is earns a bit well less on the squad.
1: He earns a bit less than
0: Sané, i think but how much how important, yeah. important is this to you so you know, I think it's overlooked that both Kimmich and Goretzka, had it not been for COVID, you know, and the club trying to be very responsible from a fiscal standpoint, these new deals probably would have included much larger salary increases. But I think they both had said, and I think it was Hasan Salihamidzic who had said as well that it was more important to them to keep those like you've been talk- talking about, those core of players together instead of, you know, getting what they thought they truly deserved. I mean, how important of a message is that?
1: Well, I think that signing for Bayern, you're not just signing for the fee, you're signing on to a generation that wins things. And not only at the domestic front, but the international front. And not only that, you are signing on to an institution that can help you win things for your country as well. Because if you remember the 2014 Germany team, that was basically Bayern Munich. And Kimmich, by being the leader of this current Bayern Munich team. He secures himself as the leader of Germany for years to come. And if this is a man who wants to win a World Cup, wants to win a Euros, and if he wants to do that, he wants to be in Bayern Munich, building a team, being part of the say of the most influential team in Germany for these things. Because Germany is Bayern. Germany's resurgence is because Bayern scouted all this talent. Gnabry was languishing at Arsenal before we managed to get Werder Bremen to buy him. Sane was uh, not even in the squad when Lowe called him up, and then after he comes to Bayern, he's suddenly a key player. Um, same thing goes for Kimmich. Kimmich was come came in from the second Bundesliga from RB Leipzig. He was at he was at RB Leipzig, but we bought him from Stuttgart. That's the thing that. Bayern discovers the players that Germany uses. And Bayern is a litmus test. If he can perform for Bayern, then you're ready for Germany. Florian Wirtz, he is about as talented as Musiala. Not as talented, in my opinion, my biased opinion. But he's not getting a look into the Germany team right now. Whereas Musiala is already in the rotation. And what's the difference? One plays for Bayern.
0: Yeah, I believe it was uh, Uli Honis who had said FC Deutschland for his you know, yeah. dream and his vision for, for Bayern Munich. Uh, with the, uh, you know, so much continuity between Bayern players and Dimanshoff players. Uh, but in, so we've got a few other, I mean, just to kind of wrap up this thought, so Kimmich, Goretzka, we also have two other players that were born in 95 and Serge Gnabry and Nicolas Sula who have upcoming co- uh, contract expiration dates. Sula's next year, uh, Gnabry's the year after. Do you think both of those players should and will get contract extensions?
1: They have to. They, they just have to be kept. Sula, Gnabry, and also extend Lewandowski, extend Muller, and extend, who else do we have to extend? Extend Lewandowski, Muller, Neuer, I think. Neuer's contract, because Nuble is doing really poorly in yeah, yeah, France Panico, at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we, can, we can talk about that later. We don't have to talk about that. One of the things I really <laughs> wanted to talk about after this, right after this, is probably the new FFP stuff. And that might interest you too, because it affects Liverpool too. Do you want to talk about yes, that now? Or do, you, do you have uh, anything if else we,
0: to say? If we had time, I was just kind of working my way. We talked about the attackers. We talked about the midfield. I uh, thought we could also touch base on the defense really quick just because yeah, that's we got some fully because, fit defenders yeah. back and Luca Hernandez, Benjamin Pavard, who have come back to the fray. We had Stanisic stand in very well at the beginning of the season. Nicolas Sula and Diallo Upamecano proved to be a very, very solid partnership. Uh, I think everyone would agree. We did give up goals uh, in the Bundesliga, but you know, in we've kept a lot of clean sheets since uh, a certain two defenders have come back into the fray: Luca yeah. Hernández L- and Benjamin Pavard. So nogglesman has got a lot of luxury and flexibility,
1: and a lot of decisions to make. But you know, at is the it moment, still perfect, or is there is there still work that needs to be pretty done? pretty much it's pretty much as good as you can expect it to be. But that being said, it could be better. But that's more down to how we keep possession and how we factor in the midfield, Defensing, defense itself. I don't think it could be better than what it is right now. Nicolas Sula, Diaby, Ubricano, and Luca Hernandez. At this point, you could basically just shift them around. Any two of them starting will get you a clean sheet. Nagelsmann can start any two without worrying. Last year, there was so much, so much confusion. Sometimes it would be Alaba and Boateng. Sometimes it would be Sewell on the left or Sewell as right back. Sometimes it would be this, that. It was weird and it didn't really work that well on the hansi We never got the, you know, momentum going with our defense. But this year it looks like Nagelsmann has effortlessly figured out how to get everyone on the same page. And along with Alfonso Davies just having an amazing season, both offensively and defensively, our defense looks strong. That being said, we haven't been tested. Barcelona didn't didn't attack at all. RB Leipzig attack, but you know, they're not having a great season. Dortmund, we shut down Haaland, but we face them again and they might have a different plan for us. And that's pretty much all I have to say on the defense. It's hard to evaluate, basically.
0: It is because you see a lot of different things. To me, the stability, build up possession seems to be a little bit more effective when it's Nicolas Sula and Daya Upamakano. But, you know, there's a crazy step. Uh, I don't know how many matches it is, but when Luka Hernandez starts in the Bundesliga, we just we don't lose and we don't concede.
1: I believe it's but, our, we do concede, but we don't lose. I think thirty matches yeah, now.
0: Yes, that's yeah, which is an insane insane, stat, insane. especially yeah. for the amount that he's been injured, right? You know, we can't forget that. Yeah, he was that's that's the unfortunate thing actually from from Atletico Madrid. So it's it's one of those things where you know, in my eyes, I do think, like I said, that possession that build up player is a little bit better with the Af- mentioned Zula and Luca but you know you can't deny with that statistic from mm. Luca Hernandez so in starting back line it's Derek Lasker it's UEFA Champions League semi-final leg two. what's your your go-to back for on what you've seen thus far
1: uh Stanisic, Sul, Lucas, Fonzi oh okay so you're leaving Luca <laughs> Macano out of there and Benji I'm tired of Benji I'll be honest with you <laughs> I'm done with him he's dead to me yeah he definitely
0: seems to be annoyed. He annoyed, a cold he annoyed, he annoyed and me. Player.
1: He annoyed me a lot during the Euros.
0: Well, hopefully, he can turn his fortunes around. Or, you know, if he doesn't, I'm completely fine with Stanisic deputizing as well because I'm I'm ready for
1: Stanisic to start. He actually attacks.
0: Yeah, can't deny. I mean, maybe Nogglesman will see the same things that we're seeing and we'll see a lot more of that. And Pavard will, you know, kind of get the message to say that his form really needs to drastically improve if he wants to get that starting spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, Pavard he's okay at defending, but you look at the Barcelona, one of the, one of the eye-opening things was the Barcelona pass map, sorry, the heat map from their game. And you could see that Davis's side was basically untouched. Well, Pavard's side, they had a lot more encroachment on that side. And it's not like Memphis was playing on that side. It was Luke de Jong who was garbage. And even despite <laughs> that, yeah, I know, poor Samren, right? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so anyway, so... That's one of the things that being a passive defender like Pavard, it invites pressure on our defense. And that's not something you want to see. I want Stanisic to get more more chances, hopefully. And I hope to see him displace Pavard from the lineup. If he can't, then we need to look for a new right back. That's our biggest weakness.
0: Yeah. And with the, just listening to that with the more, Attacking minded, you know, defender that's not as passive, and that's going to get forward. That's only going to benefit Ganabri, Musiala, or whoever is playing just ahead of him yeah, on that exactly. flank, as we've as we've seen. Um, you know, so a lot of questions for Nogglesman in defense. You know, it's it's looked to have been improved, but we do have fortunate opponents, favorable opponents. So uh, let's no see if why he, we shouldn't be getting. We more should team see teams. if he
1: can keep a clean sheet against Gladbach. That's going to be the test.
0: Yeah, and that that does come up at a, at a difficult time, at the end of October, and. You know, it, it might be one of those situations where you, we might have to make rotations, but you know, God forbid Byron gets knocked out of the of pick call in the second round again in the second consecutive
1: season. I yeah, was it the second round? I think it was. A yeah, it was. League it league was the league. second round last year. That was the one game wow. last year. That <laughs> was the one game last year that I missed. I'm like, okay, it's a second tier team. We we won't lose. I I need to sleep. I have an exam tomorrow, and I wake up <laughs> and I'm like, oh god. Well, I hope you don't have an exam for for that match.
0: Because I hope, I hope to so too as well. If you have to sleep instead of watching.
1: Because... Yeah, I don't miss buying matches. I've missed like three in the last five years. Even though I think it should be said for all the, you know,
0: all those who aren't based in India, like, would it, like, Champions League and Pokal matches, that's like almost one in the morning. Yeah, it's, it's, it starts Something
1: at, like that. it starts at like 12, 1230. And if it's after daylight savings, you, you Americans and you Europeans with your <laughs> daylight savings, it's German invention, actually. Yeah. Uh, if it starts yeah, after but, that, hey, we do it
0: at a different time than everybody else, which always is confusing. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's why I'm 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 confused more than you are. Okay, so because we don't have any of that, so here yeah. it's suddenly it's suddenly it's starting at one thirty, and I'm like, excuse me, but but there is also like a social stigma to not st- staying up late if you to watch a match. So yeah,
0: yeah, and especially if it's a match like that, rainy torn up pitch, Holstein keel and you lose in penalties as oh, Bayern. Man. That was that was just
1: painful. That was I, I woke up and I'm like, oh God, what just happened? And I saw the highlights and I'm like, oh, Bonissar happened.
0: <laughs> that's all that's pretty much all you need to say when anything does yeah. uh, you know happen that poorly from a Bayern perspective. Hmm. And so in you know just to wrap this up, I know you did have a lot of, you know, I have a little bit of and, commentary on something. Insight on the financial fair play, which you actually did have to kind of you know, enlightened me on because it's something that had kind of passed me by. So if you could just briefly summarize what's gone on from a financial fair play aspect and the new rules that they've implemented and how it could impact clubs, both in uh, the UK uh, and in Germany.
1: So basically the new UEFA financial fair play, um, you know, regulations are going to be terrible for any club that isn't backed by a huge investor. And it, you should listen to this too, Tom, because it's going to affect Liverpool as well. It's yeah. even Even though you guys are owned by FSG, it's going to affect you. So basically what's going on here is that they've removed a lot of restrictions. And that's going to be, first of all, they have removed the restriction that clubs can only have a certain amount of money invested into them by the owner that now, is this to be, as a result
0: yeah. of, of COVID or is this no, it was actually just they... a
1: plan. This was a planned revision to the financial fair play rules because apparently man city just blew it, blew the arguments wide open in court. So they had to change the whole thing. So Jeez. yeah, that's man city, man. <sighs> so and they can't, they can't, they can't even fill their own stadium and they're doing this. Do you yeah, see how that, that sounds
0: so embarrassing. I did. Like, if you recall, I, uh, you know, I found a great thread from Bitter and Blue, SB Nation's uh, Man City blog. You know, I listen to people call in. Uh, I do. I- I'll say this. There's certain personalities I will listen to on TalkSport. Other ones, I know it's just complete Yikes. nonsense. I Yikes. do not. Uh, yeah, you know, I I- do, I'm judging I- you right now. I will confidently say I do tend to agree with a lot of what Simon Jordan says. I know he has a very rough. Uh, well. Depending on who you ask, you know, former owner of Crystal Palace, you know, he says uh, a lot of it's not controversial. He's just very bold in what he says and he, you know, he's never going to shy away from backing down from his opinion. And it's all fact based. And, you know, they had Man City fans calling in, I guess, you know, with COVID. Uh, I don't know if things are like this for, you know, sporting events where you are in, but it's all digital, uh, contactless, you know, no cash. We, we, still, we still don't
1: have we don't have sporting events yet.
0: Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing too. It's just like depending. on It's kind of it's kind of baffling.
1: Yeah, it's kind of baffling to see the Bundesliga and European teams like actually having so many people in their stadiums because in I guess they had huge
0: issues with the uh, ticketing software and like midweek game. It was near next to impossible to try and get rid of tickets, transfer them digitally. I think someone from Man City's. uh, Yeah, I don't know, like ticketing. I think you have gone off on a very big tangent
1: because this was supposed to be our FFP. well,
0: because, yeah, because I would still be someone, you know, I absolutely hate Manchester City and the way they've circumvented rules, basically have bought away their problems.
1: Still well, the, can't. Well, the, the problem I'm going to tell you right now, if you hate that, is that what UEFA's planning, more, what UEFA's you know. what, what okay. planning is going to make what Manchester City does legal, completely 100% oh. legal. They're going to be able to invest whatever they want. And they've also planning like a salary cap, a transfers and salary cap, per year of 70% of revenue, capped at around a total of 500 million. Now, I have no idea what uh, the problem with that is. I have no idea what universe UEFA are living in because that's not a cap, okay? That is not a limit that is reasonable. And because they have limited it to just being the squad in that is registered for the Champions League, you can have teams like Manchester City who are already stockpiling huge amounts of talent. They could have a completely separate squad for the Premier League, register for the Premier League, and then a different squad register for the Champions League and not go over the limit while still having a billion dollar squad. And the other problem that they're going to be introducing with this is that instead of having bans for the Champions League, which is the normal penalty for breaching FFP, they're going to be getting in a luxury tax. And I guess fans of American leagues will be familiar with this. I'm not familiar with it at all. But the luxury tax is basically a fine where the money is taken from teams that go over the limit, and then you redistribute it to teams who are around the members or so. But one thing I don't understand, first of all, how the redistribution works. Is it just gonna line the pockets of wafer? That's not gonna be that's gonna be completely pointless. And the other thing that um, how exactly are you going to deter these teams who are already spending as much as they want by a fine? They can just pay the fine and then just keep going. Because look, you can take as much money as you want from them, but if they want to sign Messi, there's only one Messi. And once you have him, you have a competitive advantage, no matter how much money is redistributed to your opponents.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there two separate times that you can also submit UEFA squads as well? Yeah, there is one before the group, one, uh, one and before the group the stage the and one before knockouts. the knockouts. Yeah, So I'm sure, you know, if there's players with nagging injuries from those big clubs, they'll yeah. use that to circumvent. They players. already do that. I think that. that happened in the NHL. Uh, they, they, uh, it's interesting.
1: Well. interesting uh, you can say that Barcelona already did that with Sergio Aguero. They found out that he had an injury and just decided not to register him for the first half of La Liga.
0: Yeah, but they can gladly use him in the
1: in the knockout stages if they even make it that far. They can use him whenever they want. they'll They'll make it, I think. On, at risk of going off on another tangent, the problem with this financial fair play rules, and they suck, okay, is that these teams like PSG, Chelsea, City, they're going to have a massive, massive advantage over any team that tries to be self-sufficient. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, any team, like, I understand that those teams are very rich, but they work on some kind of reality, some kind of financial some kind of financial base to start with and these teams don't have that they don't need that anymore and now they can do whatever they want they can buy Chelsea can go out and buy Holland tomorrow they can go out and buy I don't know they can submit a 200 million bid for Lewandowski and then have Lewandowski for their Champions League games and Haaland for their Premier League games while Lukaku plays for their cup games or something. It's insane. They could just do that. And the thing is that it gives Bundesliga clubs the biggest disadvantage of all because we don't have any investors mostly other than RB Leipzig who might welcome the change. I don't think any of the Bundesliga clubs will like this. And that's why the Bundesliga is actually hugely against UEFA's new proposed changes. They want the financial fair play changes to be much, much, much stricter.
0: It will be interesting, too, how those affect the conversation for 50 plus one. You know, you get oftentimes people coming out in support of uh, abolishing the 50 plus one rule. And, you know, it more can't happen, though. The other, yeah. other side of the argument saying 50 plus one must stay for continuity and to make sure that that sort of thing doesn't happen in Germany. And
1: the sad thing about this is that the 15 plus one rule is quite beautiful for German football, but this now puts a competitive pressure on the clubs to abandon it. And that's really insidious in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I hope that the German clubs at the DFL and the, the DFB stand firm on this, you know, and continue to speak out against the FFP rules and, you know, explaining why it should never happen in Germany. And it's almost as if the powers that be that wanted to press for the Super League, have just gone behind the curtains and kind of manipulated uh, FFP to to move in this fashion because it basically is creating a figurative Super League where we're saying, okay, the teams that were going to be in it, and these super teams across Europe are just going to benefit from being, you know, very very wealthy and not having any consequences for the ways that they spend their money or where their money comes from. You right? There's even human rights issues involved with where some of the funds come from from you know certain places, but. Hopefully, somehow, some way in the future, we can prevent this kind of thing from happening and making sure that the playing field is as level as it can be for everybody. I honestly, and, uh, you know, I
1: think I've said all I wanted to. I could go on a one hour long rant, but we are closing on in 40 minutes. And I think that's enough for today.
0: That is that, folks. So thanks for listening. Very, very grateful to have you have you listening to the flagship episode once again. Be sure to like, rate and subscribe on Spotify. Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, whatever streaming platform you do use to listen to us, be sure to follow myself at tommyadam Tommy Adams 71 in at at BFW in, I think is his handle. You can correct me yep. if I'm wrong in that. All right. So I got it right. I'm starting to memorize all of these. Uh, and of course, our main channel at Bavarian FB works always, you know, with the written accommodation piece for this podcast, leave us comments, let us know how we did, let us know what we can do to improve. Uh, you know, comment on our voices, whatever it may be. But until next time, thanks again for listening. Afweetistan.